0: Hi friends, this is John Gunter with the Eagle Community Church of Christ. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. This week, we continue in our series of Revelation. This week with Revelation 16 and 17, here we find the bowls of wrath. Yes, that's a a fantastic sounding thing. Just another way that God shows John through the Spirit, uh, really some things that uh, will happen in the future. And again, uh, as I point out in this sermon, this is not a thing to try and figure out, okay, I need to find out uh, how the details correspond to something in real life all the time. But God really wants to show us something through what He shows John here. I hope you've enjoyed this series. We don't have much left, but thanks again for listening, and come by and see us sometime. We'd love to see you. Have a great week. Uh, it is. Uh, it has been a, a fun week, and uh, my wife would has been through two weeks of her own. Uh, she wasn't sure she'd be able to be here this morning, but uh, thankfully she's able to do that. And again, it's wonderful to be able to worship all together. I hope you're enjoying this. Again, we are kind of testing this out to see if it works. Uh, of course, last week we started on a holiday, so uh, what we need to know is is it better to do one service or two? So we need to hear from from you guys as we as we go through this. Today we continue again in Revelation. Uh, As we uh, tackle chapters 16 and 17, we are almost done with Revelation. For some of you, you might be a little sad. Others are probably rejoicing. Uh, I told Jordan the other night, I said, as soon as we get out of Revelation, we're going to something very familiar for everyone because uh, I know it's been, uh, it's just Revelation. It is what it is, right? So today we're reading again from chapters 16 and 17. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, go pour out the seven bowls of God's wrath on the earth. The first angel went and poured out his bowl on the land and ugly festering sores broke out on the people who had the mark of the beast and worshiped its image. The second angel poured out its bowl on the sea and it turned into blood like that of a dead person. Every living thing in the sea died. The third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs of water, and they became blood. Then I heard the angel in charge of the waters say, you are just in these judgments, O holy one, you who are and who were, for they have shed the blood of your holy people and your prophets, and you have given them blood to drink as they deserve. Then I heard the altar respond, yes, Lord God almighty, true and just are your judgments. The fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun and the sun was allowed to scorch people with fire. They were seared by the intense heat and they cursed the name of God who had control over these plagues, but they refused to repent and glorify him. Did I skip that? There we go. The fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast and its kingdom was plunged into darkness. People gnawed their tongues in agony and cursed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, but they refused to repent of what they had done. The sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and its water was dried up to prepare the way for the kings from the east. Then I saw three impure spirits that looked like frogs. They came out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. They are demonic spirits that perform signs, and they go out to the kings of the whole world to gather them for the battle on the great day of God Almighty. Look, I come like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake and remains clothed so as not to go naked and be shamefully exposed. Then they gathered the kings together to the place that in Hebrew is called Armageddon. The seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and out of the temple came a loud voice from the throne saying, It is done. Then there came flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, and a severe earthquake. No earthquake like it has ever occurred since mankind has been on earth. So tremendous was the quake. The great city split into three parts, and the cities of the nations collapsed. God remembered Babylon the Great and gave her the cup filled with the wine of the fury of his wrath. Every island fled away, and the mountains could not be found. From the sky, huge hailstones. Each weighing about a hundred pounds, anybody like that, uh, fell on people. And then they cursed God on account of the plague of hail because the plague was so terrible. One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and said to me, come, I will show you the punishment of the great prostitute who sits by many waters. With her, the kings of the earth committed adultery and the inhabitants of the earth were intoxicated with the wine of her adulteries. Then the angel carried me away in the spirit into a wilderness. There I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was covered with blasphemous names and had seven heads and ten horns. The woman was dressed in purple and scarlet and was glittering with gold, precious stones, and pearls. She held a golden cup in her hand filled with abominable things and the filth of her adulteries. The name written on her forehead was a mystery. Babylon the great, the mother of prostitutes and of the abominations of the earth. I saw the woman was drunk with the blood of God's holy people, the blood of those who bore testimony to Jesus. When I saw her, I was greatly astonished. Then the angel said to me, why are you astonished? I will explain to you the mystery of the woman and of the beast she rides, which had the seven heads and 10 horns. The beast which you saw once was now is not and yet will come out of the abyss and go to its destruction i hope that cleared that up for everyone <laughs> the inhabitants of the earth whose name whose names have not been written in the book of life from the creation of the world will be astonished when they see the beast because it once was now is not and yet will come this calls for mind for a mind with wisdom the seven heads are seven hills on which the woman sits There are also seven kings. Five have fallen, one is, the other has not yet come. But when he does come, he must remain only for a little while. The beast who once was and now is not is an eighth king. He belongs to the seven and is going to his destruction. The 10 horns you saw are 10 kings who have not yet received a kingdom, but who for one hour will receive authority as kings along with the beast. They have one purpose and will give their power and authority to the beast. They will wage war against the lamb, but the lamb will triumph over them because he is Lord of lords and King of kings. And with him will be his called, chosen, and faithful followers. Then the angel said to me, the waters you saw where the prostitute sits are peoples, multitudes, nations, and languages. The beasts and ten horns you saw will hate the prostitute. They will bring her to ruin and leave her naked. They will eat her flesh and burn her with fire. Close friends they are, I guess. For God has put in, it into their hearts to accomplish his pur- purpose by agreeing to hand over to the beast their royal, royal authority until God's words are fulfilled. The woman you saw is the great city that rules over the king kings of the earth. Now, again, as we've talked from the beginning, a lot of people have come to chapters like this and said, you know what we ought to do? We ought to figure out what those, who those kings are. Is there any way we can kind of uh, look at the past and say, oh, here's where these line up, and a lot of time and energy has been wasted, in my opinion, on trying to pin that on uh, certain dynasties or certain uh, kings and things like that. Uh, Again, as we've gone throughout this study, I think what John is trying to portray, what the Spirit is giving to John through this, is is much more simple than trying to figure out all of this stuff. Again, Revelation is not a a puzzle to be uh, uncovered and and found out, and and then we go and say, oh, I've gotten it. No, it's very simple in what God is trying to say, again, to his people. Remember, at the beginning of this letter, uh, John has to talk to who? churches, right? He has to go and talk to seven churches. So remember, these people are still the audience. These people are still hearing all of these things. And so it's, to me, it's a very simple picture of what God wants to tell them. So we start out in this this whole section is about bowls of wrath. And I think that's a very easy image to see, almost this bowl, I don't know what a bowl of wrath looks like, but a a gigantic bowl filled with something that God is now going to pour out via his angels. And and if you missed them, uh, we had seven of them. So the first one was where uh, the people wearing this name of the beast, these people who are marked with the sign of the beast, now have that kind of symbol As sores, not not only a name, but now their bodies are marked with these sores that happen. And does that bring about a change? Of course not. Uh, Number two, they see the sea turn to blood. Well, what does that sound like? Anybody thinking the plagues in Egypt? Yeah. And, And so immediately, and through these things, people are thinking, "Oh, I've I've heard this story before." I know exactly what happens. If you're on the wrong side, you get what? You get the plagues. If you're on the right side, you get deliverance. Does that sound like the theme we've talked about all along? There's a battle going on. Pick a side, right? God wins. You have to pick a side. Number three, rivers and springs turn to blood. Number four, the sun scorches everything. I think we just experienced that this summer here. Number four. Number four. Number five, this throne is plunged into darkness. This kingdom, it doesn't sit in the light, but it is plunged into complete darkness. Again, showing the readers there, this is not the right side. This is not the side you want to be on. Uh, Number six is very interesting because just in the last week or so, a friend of mine on Facebook posted a picture of the Euphrates River. And I think the comparison was back in like the early 2000s, like around the year 2000 to today. And it has shrunk up so much. And the, and the, the caption is, see another one of God's prophecies uh, coming true. And again, that uh, the idea behind that is Revelation's uh, something we've got to figure out. Oh, now it's happening. I don't think that's the case. But still people look at that and say, oh, my goodness. Well, again, what they would see here is the Euphrates drying up and it says the kings are going to come and overtake them. The, the river gives them no peace. It gives them no security. What it does is it's going to dry up because of what God is sending to them, and now they can be overtaken. And so uh, the last bowl is poured out as a storm. Again, we have heard over and over these rumblings, this peals of thunder, all of this massive storm that goes everywhere. And what you see in this is their whole world is shaken. Okay? So so you have water, you have sun, you have everything that that goes into life that they would have seen as essential to life has been upset. And that's the that's the the picture they're getting here. Nothing is left unchanged. Now, do you think they're getting this at this point? And maybe a better question is, are we getting this? are we getting what God is trying to relay to the people? Now, how many of you in here are college football fans? I want to know who I'm talking to here. Like, really like college football. So I need to raise, don't just half raise your hand. I need to see. Okay, so this will hit a few of you. Okay. How many of you, your team won yesterday? All right. I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything, Bo. Um, Some of you are riding high on moral victories. Y'all know there's still a loss, right? I mean, uh, some people have, uh, you know, had their spirit crushed. I don't know. Some of you need to understand that a a week with a loss in college football is still better than a week without college football. Some of you need to know that. Uh, But have you noticed through Revelation that over and over and over, God keeps showing you in different ways that all the the ways that lead you away from him are the ways that lead to destruction, to loss, that it's not going to be good. You might think in the moment it's going to be good, but it's not going to turn out very well. Now, how many of you would still love your team or your college football if you knew Every game, you're going to feel good about it. You're going to feel like, man, we've got a good team. Some of you may feel like, man, we've paid a coach a lot of good money. Um, We're going to get some wins here. But what if you knew that week after week you were going to lose? Would you still be a fan? Like. Like, throughout the week, oh, yeah, I think we got a chance. But every week, you knew, you knew in advance that you were going to lose. Didn't matter who you play. Would you still be a fan? I couldn't take it. I'll be honest with you. No thanks. Maybe part of that's my personality. I have never, I have claimed, like, uh, pro teams just like, I don't know, maybe I'm more of a front runner in that respect. You know, I went to the University of Arkansas, so that's easy for me, you know. But, but the rest, I'm like, well, I like the Bills. I like the Bills in the, in the uh, 90s when they were getting crammed by the Cowboys every, every year in the Super Bowl. Um, but I would have to give that up because I knew we're just going to have my, my spirit crushed each and every time. And that is exactly the picture that God is trying to relay through John for everyone. If you want to follow this, if you want to be a fan of this, know that it ends every single time in loss. Is that the route you want to take? And notice through all this, again, that what they would have seen is their whole world, talking about their bodies, talking about the water, everything turned to blood, I can't drink this, the sun is scorching hot, beating down on me, everything is ruined And it's all, I hope you caught it because it said a couple of times in these chapters, and it's all for one purpose, and that is repentance. Because the picture that God gives us here is that no matter what, even if you wear the name of the beast at one part of your life, at one point in your life, God still offers salvation. He still offers you a way out. And it said over and over at the end of this, and it said throughout Revelation, and again, they still would not repent. And, And the problem is, it is not just them. The problem is, a lot of people choosing not to repent may be sitting in seats in this place right now that we have grasped onto what the world has offered us, and we try to make that the will of God instead of hearing from God about what his will is. That again, all of these things, all of these evils are so attractive that there's no reason for me to come to repentance. Did you notice the harlot? But this picture of this woman that seems like they just kind of walk up on and are able to look at. And she's sitting on this beast and there's, there's scarlet and purple and there are jewels. And to me, it really paints a picture of, man, this is kind of fancy, especially in the time, right? I mean, we're, we're so inundated with nice things that uh, maybe this doesn't ring as, as, as clear to us. But you, know, you walk up on this woman and, and it looks she looks very nice. Now, he says, you know, there's a lot of abominations in the, in the cup she has and, you know, the, the signs and, and things she wears on herself are you know, these terrible blasphemies, but dressed really nice, right? And John actually says this is, this woman is symbolizes this city on seven hills. Now, if you think Revelation is some kind of code to kind of thwart the authorities or something, that's not it. You get to this point, the city on seven hills every single time, every day of the week is the city of Rome. And for them, they know that. If Roman guard had grabbed that, he's not going to say, oh, I don't know what this is talking about. No, he would know. The city set on these hills is always Rome. And remember, as Jesus talked to the churches, there are some issues. Again, ways that they have said yes to the world and no to God. Ways that they have said, you know what, maybe just a little idol worship will be fine. Idols aren't that, you know, they're not powerful or anything. But but God says this this beautiful thing that brings power. Remember, as, as the beast comes out, people worship it because of the power that it has. And in the moment, people look and say, well, why wouldn't you follow that? Because that's where the power is. And then you have this woman who's dressed up. Man, I want to follow this person. I think it's uh, no coincidence of dressed in purple, kind of like a royalty. You have the power. You have the prestige. I will follow you. And again, as God tells us through John, over and over and over, if you want to follow that, follow it, but you're going to lose. And all the time, God is sitting there desiring repentance. Don't come to Revelation and think, man, how evil is God to pour out these bowls of wrath or how evil is God to put plagues on the people. Why don't you come to Revelation and read what God would do to get you back? I mean, this lines up perfectly with the the parable of the prodigal son that that God is seen as this father who will let his son walk all over it, Treat him as though he was about to die. My dad said one time that he was talking about my brother. He was joking, I think, a little bit. But he said after my, my brother got out of high school that it, it felt to him like the buzzards were circling. Like, I got to ask about my inheritance and things like that. You know, like, oh, okay. Uh, it's kind of like when you have company over. What, what what time y'all think you're leaving? You know, that kind of thing. But, but God in that that parable that Jesus tells is a father who allows the people, his son in this instance, to do whatever it is they want to do, right? Walk all over me to make me feel like I have failed. Can you imagine that? Yeah, you've been a parent. But to do whatever, and still, Jesus shows God as a father waiting, for his son to return. And that is exactly the picture we get right here in Revelation. Through all of these things, God desires repentance. What's keeping the people from repenting? Hard head. Anybody feel like they're one of God's hard headed kids? Mm-hmm. Need, a, need a few times to get it, right? Yeah. And God keeps going over and over. Did you notice? that what God did not do was kill all of them. Did you notice that? God didn't go into this and say, you have the mark, you're done, no chances, you're gone. God sent all of these things out of his love for the people. And again, don't think for a minute that those churches that John wrote to weren't taking this real tough in the moment. There were some people cinched up on the seats, if you know what I mean, because they knew that Jesus was talking to them directly. You ever been a part of one of those awkward conversations with a preacher preaching something, and you knew good and well that fit you? Get, get, you know, uh, not complaints, but every once in a while, y'all somebody will say, hey, you stepped on my toes today. I said, "I'm, I'm aiming every week to step on people's toes. That starts with mine because that's what is is important here, because the warning here that, that John gets is if you want to follow something other than God, it is going to lead to your destruction. I don't care how pretty. I don't care how powerful. I don't care how much it looks good in the moment. It leads to destruction. Jesus in Matthew 22, was asked the question, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? You remember the answer here. Which is the greatest commandment? If you could rank, and we love ranking, don't we? The top 10, top 10 commandments of Jesus. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, This is the first and greatest commandment. Man, he asked a bunch of us, doesn't he? Love God with all that you are. Why don't you start there? He says, and the second is like it. And uh, in the first part, Jesus is directly quoting Deuteronomy 6. You remember a couple of months ago, we talked about the Shema from Deuteronomy 6. Write this on your head and your doorpost and all of these things. But he says, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. God calls us to repentance, not, not to a, a list of do's and don'ts, but to love. Now, that necessitates the way you live, right? Because there's a way that I can show love, and there's a way that I can just say, yeah, I love you from a distance, right? be warmed and well-fed type of love, right? Thanks for coming over at this late hour. Now, could you leave? And so what God calls us to is this love of him, and that is exactly what the people have not done. They have decided that something in the world is too beautiful, is too powerful, is too attractive. Can we say sexy in here? I mean, that's the word we use, right? And that's, that's what draws our attention. We're attracted to it. Something is so attractive that I would rather follow that. And you've got to ask yourself this question right now. Is, is there something in my life that is so attractive that I am following it rather than God? Because the problem is then that what I'll do is because I like that and because it's attractive to me, I try to make it, again, the will of God instead of doing the very will of God. So this morning, I, again, I think this is a very simple message. Who are you following? Whose name do you bear? We talked in class this morning about having a, a life filled with the Spirit, and, and for all of us, there are some days we don't feel like we're very submissive to the Spirit, right? But God does not wipe you out of the book of life uh, at your first mistake, Does he? When we went through 1 John, we saw that over and over and over, that you can have faith that you have salvation with God if you will just walk in the light. Get up from whatever it is that is causing you to stumble because God is a father ready and waiting to have you return. Now, if you haven't started that journey with him, I wanna encourage you to do it. It is so hot around here, y'all. We can do a baptism in a swimming pool in a few minutes. But to be right with God, you have got to pledge allegiance to, not America, not some other country, not some other thing, but you pledge allegiance to Jesus Christ in the act of baptism. That in that moment you're saying, my life is now yours. I choose to love God with all of my being. I choose to love others as I love God, as I love myself. So if you haven't begun that, that walk with Jesus, We'd love to to see you baptized today. If there's anything we can do for you, we're going to offer a song of invitation. We'd love to pray with you. Would you come as we stand and sing?